Greetings, rare ones. My name is Joanne, and I started the Rare Birds podcast because I wanted to hear from people like myself who come from emerging markets or the developing world, as we're called, who are entrepreneurial, resourceful, passionate, and energized to take their vision from idea to startup. Each week, you will hear me interview founders and teams from across emerging markets who are in the early stages of building their businesses. From time to time, you will also hear me speak with established ecosystem builders, mentors, investors, and business professionals who share knowledge based on their years of experience. This podcast is for anyone who is interested in hearing from the next wave of change makers across emerging markets, building in various industries from agro to tech to health, beauty, and all in between. This podcast is also for those who have ideas, but they're not entirely sure how to make them a reality. They're looking for inspiration and encouragement. We call ourselves Rare Ones. And if this sounds like you, then welcome to the family. Sit back, relax, and listen in to our always so good conversation. Bye for now. Greetings, rare ones, and welcome to the Rare Birds podcast. And I am your host, Joanne, and we are back today with another episode. I would like to welcome my guest, Aura, to the show. Welcome, Aura, to the Rare Birds podcast. I'm so excited to be part of this. Thank you, Joe. Yes. Awesome to have you here. So, Aura, first, first port of call, please tell us your full name. Okay, my name is Ora Kawanzaruwa. Beautiful. And where are you from? <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm from Harare, Zimbabwe, which is in the southern, most southern part of Africa. Awesome. Yes, most southern part of Africa, Zimbabwe. Okay, so tell us a little bit about you and your background and just life in Zimbabwe. Cool. So, um, so, gosh, where do I begin? I am a very weird person. I think that's, okay. that's the safest we're place rare to one. start. We're weird. Kids. Yes, the rare. Yes, very mm. rare, very odd. Yes. Um, I I like to say my most important role is I'm a mom. So before oh, everything yes. else, so beautiful yeah, six-year-old girl. Yes, six-year-old girl. She's amazing. She's such a cute person, but very just interesting human being as well. <laughs> um, <laughs> And um, I guess my story, my story starts in Harare. Um, okay. This is where I was born and bred. I'm 30 years old right now. Um, and um, my career, I would say, my initial passion was rooted in the arts. So I'm actually a poet. Um, a lot of people know me as Aura the Poet. Um, and I was a, an actress. I was an actress, a poet, and a dancer. So I was very heavily... Um, sort of rooted in the arts, um, which is kind of weird when you look at what I do today, but we'll get there. That's um, it. It's not so, weird. It's life. It's life. It happens. Yes, you're right. You know, so yeah, it was life. And um, I, I grew up in many, uh, in, in two, mostly two countries, but in different cities. So I grew up in Harare. And then from Harare, we moved to a smaller um, town called Gweru. Mm. Um, and I lived there for seven years. Um, and uh, during that time, I went to boarding school and I lived in Bulawayo, which is um, 
the 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 south of Zimbabwe, mm-hmm. um, in Matavili land, and I, I I lived there for two years while I went to boarding school, went back to Gweru, and wow. then after Gweru we moved to Johannesburg, okay. um, and I and I did um, part of my university studies, and I guess that's a that's really where my story starts, mm. um, and and that's where I completed my A levels, and mm. then university. I went to a university called AFTA, which is a film school um, in, in South Africa. Yes, um, it's called the African. Uh, I'd be lying. <laughs> I forgot what AFTA yes. means. Wow, it's I'm so embarrassed. But yes, like, it anyway, is. it's a, it's it's the School of Motion Picture, um, oh, nice. and um, I studied film there. I was an actress, so I studied live performance. Um, and that was my major. But then that's when the first tragedy struck. Oh, no. Um, I had to drop out of university mm. uh, in my second year. That was during the period when um, Zimbabwe was going through um, a lot of its problems. Um, right. So that's when we went through the major hyperinflation when everyone in Zimbabwe was a trillionaire. Um, oh, yeah. And it was also during that period where there was a lot of retrenching, like it was a general, like economic global, almost globally, there's just a crisis. And, um, what year was my this? father got retrenched. This was 2009. Oh yes. Yes. Cause the, the global yeah, finance, the last crisis was 2008. 2008. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So 2008. Father, is, who happened to yes, be so, Zambian. Everybody should know. Uh, yes. <laughs> my, my, my father is Zambian. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he happened to lose his job along with many other, um, you know, foreign, foreign nationals and even South Africans who lost their jobs during that period mm. and um, subsequently wasn't able to continue my university education. So I dropped out of school and I started working. I was uh, 17, 18, 18 years old. Mm-hmm. Dropped out of school, started working. Wow. Um, because I was in the arts, I did a lot of like, a lot of my part-time work was within like the arts. So I did a lot of corporate theater, mm-hmm. um, which is basically like, for example, the one I will never forget is I, there was a client who was having their like end of year Christmas party. Um, and the whole company wanted like a Victorian theme. So they hire corporate actors to come and dress in like Victorian clothes and mingle with guests and doodle skits and stuff so <laughs> I would do a lot of stuff like that um that's also when I did uh hip-hop dancing so I was a break dancer and a hip-hop dancer wow and I went on a tour for two months around South Africa um with some really amazing um South African artists I, I'm gonna say their names you might not know them <laughs> I'll just say them anyway okay um, please say them but our listeners might know them they might know them. Yes. So um, I've, I've worked with DJ Cleo. I've worked with DJ Euphonic. I worked with uh, Danny Kay, mm-hmm. Ilana Africa, um, double, the late Double HP. Um, and yeah, that was a really, really amazing time. And that's when I sort of really started finding a home in the arts. And I thought my future was going to be a creative one. You know, I, I couldn't imagine any other future. Um, mm. fast forward, things got really tough and we had to move back to Zimbabwe, um, very abruptly. Um, so 
I literally had to leave everything behind. I remember we, we crossed the border. We could only carry one suitcase each. Wow. Um, and okay. so I left everything. I left like all my art stuff because I was a, a, a fine artist as well. I left everything behind mm. and could only carry a few basic things in one suitcase. And we came back home and um, started from scratch. And my first thing, this was now 2009, towards the end of 2009, um, Zimbabwe was just starting to get back on, on, on its feet. That's when it had adopted a multi-currency um, uh, system. So right. the US dollar was sort of like the main currency in Zimbabwe, although people could use Rand and Pula, but the US dollar became the main currency in Zimbabwe. And so Zimbabwe was just getting on its feet when, I, when we moved back home. Mm. Um, and we moved back to Harare, so not to Gweru, but straight to Harare. Yeah. And um, I started um, working. Initially, I worked for free because my mind was just a bit like messed up because we'd gone through a lot, you know, and having to drop out of school and to work. I not only worked in the arts, I also worked as like a pizza cashier, like a pizza teller, you know, and I worked um, like cleaning, cleaning like houses and whatever part time just to make ends meet. So I started working here in Harare at a place called Book Cafe, which was very um, iconic at the time. Um, and um, a lot of the, some of, you know, Zimbabwe's greatest stars were born at the Book Cafe. There's a band called Mokomba, which have played at Apollo Theater. There's the late Oliver Mtukudzi. He, mm. you know, also found a home at Book Cafe and I used to work very closely with all these people. I still do. Oh my do. God, that's so exciting. You were immersed in this culture, in this art. Yes. So beautiful. It was amazing. It was amazing. And, and, and I won't lie, the, some of the best years of my life <laughs> were that at the Book Cafe. You amazing. Know. And one so side note, cool. people, people need yes. to know about you. You speak Greek. Kalinita. I do. Kalivera tikanis. Kalaiskaritu. That's the. That's Or I'll say kala. And that's the beginning and the end of my Greek. Right? <laughs> you no, know, but you went, to, like my... you went to Greek school. Amazing. Yes, I went to a Greek junior school. I did. And that's sort of where I learned Greek. And, and it was very in... weird being this weird black kid who with a very Shauna surname who couldn't speak a word of Shauna, but, but could speak very Greek. fluent Greek. Yeah, no, that's, <laughs> that's pretty amazing. I only know a few Greek words for, from time, a uh, time I spent, like I told you in Cyprus, but yes. yeah, that's pretty amazing. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. So, so, it, back, back, sorry, go ahead. No, carry on. I was just going to say, going back to this very intriguing story that you're sharing with us, fascinating story. Right. Life. Okay. How old okay. were you at this so, time? At this time, I was uh, like 19, 19, 20. Wow. Um, yeah, 19, 20. I was now back in Zimbabwe, uh, okay. you know, living in my grandmom's house. There were like six of us in one, like a two-roomed house. Okay. And, um, you know, I, I just, I, I didn't know, you know, I, I didn't have a full degree, so I didn't finish school. And I was like, okay, I, I don't have it. I didn't know where to start. I didn't even know where, you know, where I could even get a job. So I started working at the book cafe and I went to them and I said, I remember I went to them and I said, I'm looking for a job. And they said, sorry, we don't have any openings. And I said, I'm willing to wipe tables and to sleep mm. and I'm willing to mm. work for free. Mm. I just need 
a place where I can occupy my mind every day. Right. You need a game. Um, yeah. yeah. I just need something to do. And the lady was quite surprised. I remember her name was Penny Yon. And she was like, okay. I was like, I'll work for free. It's fine. I'll even wipe tables. I don't mind. She's like, okay, no, you can't be wiping tables. <laughs> you're, like, you're like, you can't be wiping tables. I'll give you something to do. How good are you with computers? I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty decent. Like, I'm good with computers. I, I, I can figure it out. And um, for two weeks, she had me um, assisting this lady, uh, this other lady in the, what they liked to call the arts factory, which is mm. sort of the backbone of um, Pambiri Trust, of the book cafe. And um, I would help her with sort of admin work. And, and she was trying to help set up like the internet, help artists get onto Facebook mm. and, you know, help them set up Facebook pages. Because back then it was still kind of quite new, you know, it wasn't really as, as like, um, like obvious and bread and butter as it used to be, you know, as it is now, you know? So right. I was working with her and then after two weeks, um, and, and they would give me a meal. So I'd give a free meal cause it was a restaurant as well and live performances and I would get a free meal every day. Um, and then, um, transport money sometimes. And then, um, after two weeks, this lady, some emergency happened and she had to quit her job instantly. And she had to leave and go to Victoria Falls where her home was. Something, had, I don't remember what happened, but something dramatic had happened and she suddenly had to quit. Mm. And guess who she had been teaching for the past two weeks? You. It was me. <laughs> and instantly I got hired and suddenly I had an actual job. Mm. And... Um, it was just funny how the universe conspired for it to work out that way. Um, and what started off as a free gig turned into a paid gig. And I remember the day that I, I, I accepted the contract. They, that day they paid me for the time I had been working for free. Mm. Um, and that was pretty amazing. And, 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 and I started working there and it was there where I, I met my um, now ex-husband, but um, Okay. That was also sort of my introduction into the tech world. Um, I had always been just purely arts and purely, you know, art, very arty farty, long flowing, you know, robes and <laughs> beads yeah. everywhere. And yeah, like I was, I was a true, like, yeah, I looked like a real stereotypical poet. And um, my ex-husband was an animator mm. and, um, you know, I, I started to learn more about animation, you know, hanging out with his friends and his circles. I started dealing with like programmers, gamers, and found a huge fascination in tech. And mm. I loved it. I was like, what is this world? <laughs> what is this world? I love it. And I got so immersed. Um, I started to learn, you know, pick up new skills, learned how to, how to animate. Yeah. Um, although it's nice. not something I do very well. <laughs> um, I, I think if I, if I really applied myself, maybe, but like, it was just something I wanted to learn so that I felt like I had been cheated of my um, education in university. So any opportunity to learn anything, I would learn it. Um, I learned how to animate. I learned how to code in Python. Nice. Um, I learned video production. We started a, um, we started like a, a, a video production house, a, a I'm called Nafuna TV and, um, you know, I would do like TV presenting and voiceovers and I learned how to 
use skills that I learned in university for other things. So I, I, I didn't know you could do things like voiceovers and commercials and whatever. I was like, Oh, this is like acting, you know? And, um, uh, I learned a lot of really, um, incredible skills during that time and was exposed to a different life. Um, Mm. my curiosity, um, by nature, I'm a very curious person. I'm inquisitive. I ask a lot of questions. Mm. Um, started at that point where I, I started saying, you know, we, we need to be able to, you know, like teach other people. And I, I became very fascinated in education in general, um, in running a business, um, in, especially in Africa, learning about clients and how to, how to, how to just manage yourself and be able to actually make money in an environment like Zimbabwe off something as weird and obscure as animation you know it's not something that's really mainstream especially in Zimbabwe or taken seriously so um I would I would say my 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 passion for development sort of was born from there although that's not what I practiced at the time but Mm. having worked with so many diverse people and being exposed to so many different careers and different um minds I got a really good appreciation of the digital scene and the tech scene in Zimbabwe and the people who are working in those sectors, you know, the work that's being done and the work involved. Um, so after about six years, uh, yeah, after six years, we um, sadly divorced and parted ways. Okay. Um, and um, it was a very interesting, that was also a very de- like defining moment in my life because mm. um, I, I became homeless and I slept on the streets. <laughs> Um, of Harare, which was very, um, wow. very, wait, very, this, wait, 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 you don't, you're just dropping this bomb. <laughs> yeah, I became home like, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? <laughs> what is that? Come now. Yes. Come, come, come. Okay. So you, this was, you were going through the, this difficult period with your husband and as a part of the separation, you, you, you became homeless or so like, okay so i was kicked out means different things you um, mean like you didn't have a home permanently and you were living with friends I, and family I slept, no I, I i slept on a park bench you were sleeping rough okay yes as a, rough. so your husband um, as a result of the, the separation um well yeah well i got kicked out long okay. story short Long oh story God. short, I'm I got uh, kicked out quite unceremoniously. Wow. Um, thank you. It's okay. I'm, I'm grateful for it now um, mm. because I really wouldn't be where I am. If that hadn't happened, I wouldn't be where I am today. Yes, of um, course. These, these rough patches are always meant to take us someplace, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, I was sleeping on a park bench uh, in a park in Harare called Greenwood Park. Um, wow. those who know it, you know, it's, it's like a, there's a play area for kids and it's With your daughter? Park, re- I was by myself. Um, okay. my, my daughter had stayed, so I was by myself. Okay. Um, and, um, I, I remember I didn't stay for long on the streets. Yeah. Let me put that, let me make that clear. I didn't stay for long. Thank I remember goodness. that night, it was the 11th of July, 2016. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was in the thick of winter, it was freezing and I had nothing but the clothes on my back. Um, and I wear glasses. So my glasses also had been damaged during the period where I, you know, where we, um, where we, where we fought and split ways. So I yeah. was blind. I'm clinically blind. I've been wearing glasses since I was like 
since I was in the first grade. So I couldn't see anything. (laughs) I didn't have a phone. Um, I didn't have a phone. And I remember I had 20 bucks in my pocket. Mm. And I remember walking through the streets because I was in shock. Hey, like, you know, I was bruised. I was, you know, I was in shock. And I was just walking around. I think I looked like a mad person. I was just walking around the city. And I remember thinking, okay, this 20 bucks, I can't spend it. Um, I, I had a very like sour relationship with family and friends. I'd been very isolated. So I didn't really even feel like I had anyone I could reach out to or call on. Um, I didn't know where I could go. Um, so I remember thinking to myself, it's cold and I don't want to go and like spend this money somewhere because I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And I remember I broke that uh, $20 and I bought, I bought a, a pair of like gloves, like winter gloves, woolen gloves and a, and a woolen hat, like a beanie. Mm. Um, and it cost $2 and I had $18 left. Yeah. And I was like, I might as well be warm. If this is where I am today, I might as well be warm. And I remember I had, I had nothing, no phone, no eyesight, <laughs> just roaming the, the streets of Harare. Yeah. And eventually um, decided to go into the Greenwood Park. Now, it's funny because Greenwood Park is terrifying at night. <laughs> it's also known like, as a place where a, lot of, um, where a lot of homeless people tend to sort of wander. But it's also right opposite the, like, one of the uh, police stations. Um, I was too scared to go to the police. Mm. Um, I just, I, I was really confused. I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I remember lying there with 18 bucks in my pocket and thinking, I, I lay there in the dark for a while and there were, um, uh, we call them ladies of the night workers. Mm. We had oh, work, oh. they were workers. Yeah. yeah and, um, they are people. I mean, some people mm. might have an ethical or religious or whatever like, mm. position on it, but they are workers. They're, they're sex yes. workers. That's what they are. Yes. Yeah. So there was a group of sex workers there. And, and, you know, initially they're a little bit like, you know, try to sort of like question, like, I think whether they thought I was trying to take over their territory. Yeah. They were sussing you out. They were sussing me out. And and they took a look and they were, I think they kind of realized, I mean, I looked, I looked like I'd been through, you know, a rough time. Um, You know, I had bruises. I was. I wasn't in a good state. So I think they very quickly realized, no, this is not um, what we think. She's not here to take our turf. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) She's not here to take our turf. And and we didn't really speak much, but they protected me pretty much the whole night. That's lovely. Um, And they, they like formed like, almost like, not like right around me, but there was like a circle around me. They were just around me. Um, Cause you know, a lot of like the pimps would come, who is this, you know, and like just, shady characters and they're just like no no leave her so, no leave her it's my sister no she's sick she's sick mm. you know she's ble- she's bleeding she's vomiting you know so then they just kind of they're like oh gross <laughs> so no one came to yeah. bother me i yeah. wasn't bleeding or vomiting but but they just tried to really like overdo it so that they wouldn't you know come near me and they, and they protected me that night oh. and i remember um that's lovely i know now that it was around like three three a.m um, something in me snapped. Mm. Um, something in me was like, you have to get up and you cannot afford to stay still. You cannot afford to stay in this place because we've got a kid, we've got a daughter and we mm-hmm. need to get her. 
and you need to get your life together. Mm, mm, and mm. and I just I just sat up. <laughs> I remember just sitting up and they're like, Are you okay? I was like, I'm fine. I have yeah. to go. And they're like, Where are you gonna go? I'm like, I just I have to go. And I stood up and I started walking. And I, I remembered I had an uncle who lived um uh in an apartment block not far from where I was, and he was a very neutral sort of character. And I thought, okay, I can go and see this person and maybe at least, you know, uh use his laptop or use his phone. And I was now, the way my mind was thinking, I was like, okay, I need to find a place to stay. I was like, where are you? And my, you know, I had two conversations happening. I'm like, where are you going to stay, girl? You don't have money. Where are you going to stay? <laughs> I was like, yeah. I need to find somewhere to rent. <laughs> this is how my mind was working. I need to find a job. I need to find, yeah. okay, I need a laptop. I need access to the internet. That was my first thought. I need access to the internet. So I walked um, and I managed to get to my uncle's apartment. And weird, weirdest thing ever, I get there and he lived on the sixth floor of his apartment block. So it's quite high up. And as I'm walking up to his door, I realize it's wide open. So my heart starts pounding. I'm like, oh my God, did someone just break into this man's house? Like what is happening? I get to the door and it's wide open. And so I get by the door and I knock. Yeah. And my uncle catches a huge fright, you know, cause it's three o'clock in the morning mm. and someone's knocking on my door. And he was like, I could see his shadows in the lounge and he got up and he had a, what's called a, I don't, what do I call it in English? It's called a, ch- a chimbo. It's like a chimbo. It's a, like a knob carry. It's like a walking stick. Yeah. It's like a walking stick basically. Yeah. And he came up like to defend himself. And then he saw it was me. He goes, what are you doing here? And then he looked at me and I think he, he picked up, he, he picked the cues and he was like, okay, come in. And he was like, you know, what's so weird is I opened this door n- not less than two minutes ago. Like mm. just two minutes ago, I opened this door because I suddenly had this feeling that I couldn't breathe. And I just felt like I couldn't breathe. And I just, I felt, I moved out of the bedroom and I couldn't, I just felt like claustrophobic. And it's weird because he never, he's not that kind of person. You know, he's very, in very good health, you know. So he was like, I just suddenly felt like I couldn't breathe. And I just had this nagging feeling to open the door. And he says, I literally woke up two minutes ago. I was like, if there, if there mm. is ever proof for me that there's a higher power, that there's yeah. God, that was it for me. Um, so, so and how I crashed did, his couch. How, how did, so mm-hmm. how did all of this lead you to where you are now? Like building the business you are, you're building now. So my vision at that point was, okay, I need to be, I need to use all my talents. That was my thinking. I have learned so much and I feel like I have been able to contribute so much um, to other people's growth and success. I feel I can do the same for myself. Mm. Um, So when I first started, the first business I registered and started um, was called the Aura Nicole Group. And my thinking was that if I was able to um, contribute towards the, the business that I'd started with my ex-husband. And, you know, if I was able to learn something, surely I can repeat it. Um, mm. Surely I can still do that, but maybe for someone else. So when mm. I created the Aura Nicole group, initially uh, it was supposed to be an investment firm. It is an investment firm, but at the time, that's not what it ended up being. Um, I ended up being almost like an artist manager. I took on, I took on 27 businesses Mm-hmm. <laughs> and wow. I was like, I'm going to help all of you. <laughs> I'm going to help okay. all of you and I'm going to build yeah. your businesses. Yeah. In the meantime, I, I had managed to get a job as a, as a, as a sales, a furniture salesperson. Um, and with it came a laptop 
And I eventually found a place to stay that wasn't my uncle's couch. And um, I was staying in what's called like almost like an outhouse, like a back, like um, the, the proper word for, phrase for it is the servants' quarters, um, mm-hmm. which yeah, is yeah. like a little, yeah, the little the rooms at the back the of the main house. Yeah, for the help. And that's where I lived. And I like slept on the floor and had a bunch of friends help me out. And I remember in, I installed fiber. And to date, I'm still, um, you know, the, the, our internet provider, Zoll, Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm still the only person who ever installed a fiber internet connection in a servant's quarters. Yeah. And from there with my laptop with 15 gig a month, I started building websites for companies, for these companies and started nice. building their, their online profiles and, and Facebook pages and, and built and creating logos and posters. And I would spend Awesome. Every free moment of my time just awesome. doing this for 27 businesses. Like some of them That's were in awesome. South Africa. My friends. You see how it all <laughs> fell into place, yeah? From what It all fell into with. place. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I just, I worked. And I remember saying, um, I just need three months. My target was always three months because I was like, I just need time to get myself on my feet so that I can take my daughter. So for the longest time, she was my motivation to, to work. Mm. And in doing this for other businesses, obviously you make mistakes, you learn, um, you know, did some PR for a friend of mine who, who was doing this like big competition. She came second, it yeah. pushed really good mileage. And in that process, I was working with different business. They weren't all the same. I worked with an animation house. I worked with um, musicians. I worked with an EDM artist. I worked with... Nice. Um, oh, EDM. Like my, uh, my, <laughs> like my top worked, favorite music, EDM. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. EDM is the best. Like, especially African EDM. No one understands that music. It's so cool. The intro music to this podcast is, um, is a mixture of, it's like dancehall, Afrobeats, EDM. That's what I told the, um, the, the guy who made the mix for me that I wanted it to sound like. <laughs> that sounds so interesting. I can't wait to hear it now. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. <laughs> But uh, so yes. that's sort of where the vision was born. Mm. That's where the vision was born. And, and suddenly, I mean, obviously at some point I got overwhelmed. Mm. Um, and uh, during that period when I started becoming overwhelmed, um, my contract selling at the sofa place finished. And the very next day I got a job um, at a new TV station, which is now called the Zim Papers Television Network. Okay. And... They called me, obviously, because of my experience with Nafuna TV. Mm-hmm. And um, they wanted me to come on board as an executive producer. So when I took on this job, it got more demanding. And I had to start letting go of some of these businesses. And um, because I just, I wasn't being helpful. Because I was constantly now, I had a boss and I had like really hectic work to, and deadlines to meet. Yeah. But during that period, um, I started to learn a lot more about management um, in, in my role, my previous role um, at Nafuna TV, I, I didn't really have a lot of um, management power. You know, I was, I was a worker, but I didn't really have a lot of experience in managing a team. I would just watch and say, okay, well, this is a mistake or okay, this is a good idea. And so I got really practical experience now with managing a team and building a new product. So I became really good at starting up things nice. Nice. <laughs> and um during that period i had the desire to um 
I loved because I loved entrepreneurship so much because I've been working with so many different entrepreneurs and businesses. Mm. I, I started really wanting to teach it. And at that point, I'd managed to get my daughter. And I used to teach her a lot. She was little, she was like three years old, but she used to follow me everywhere. And we used to do like make cupcakes and sell them to our friends. And she really liked it. And I started teaching her actual entrepreneurship. Um, she couldn't really speak. So obviously some of the concepts really couldn't be caught, but she, she, she got it. She got the greatest sense. I managed to explain it in a way that she could understand. And I thought, Hey, then my second business was born, which is little entrepreneurs and little entrepreneurs is a program where we teach children entrepreneurship, um, children from the ages of four to 12, I love how that. to start and run a simple business. I love that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it was fun. It is fun. It's the most exciting thing in the world. Trying to teach a four-year-old how to write a business plan. Explaining okay. to they a nine-year-old. They get it. Okay. <laughs> and, and they it, get it. Yeah, they do. It's it's all in the delivery, but they get it. They're pretty they sharp. Do. They're you know. sharp. They're pretty yep. sharp. And this became sort of the foundation of my experience with children and teaching, um, but still around entrepreneurship. Fast forward, I get a new job uh, and, you know, I'm now working in print (laughs) and it was whilst I was, I was now working for a newspaper called um, the business times. And I would, I had been hired as the online editor. This was really weird. Like, oh my gosh, now I'm writing. Now I'm a journalist. And suddenly I became accredited as a journalist. I was like, this is really strange. (laughs) And I became a journalist. And in that I started doing i came across i remember i was doing research she was saying i remember my editor was saying we don't have anyone who really knows tech do you know anything about tech i was like yeah i'm a techie person like yeah can you do some Mm -hmm. research on tech Mm -hmm. and while i was doing research that's when i first discovered the term fourth industrial revolution whilst i was writing something i talk you know when you and i first connected and you said that Mm. remember how i was just saying yes 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 because i taught i was telling you i talked so much to my students about the fourth and the fifth industrial revolution and so much of my curriculum is built around that and it's such an important conversation to be having with young people it is it is it is an it is it's so eye-opening when you understand it when you see it and i i sat there and realized no one is talking about this no one is teaching this like mm-hmm. no one is talking about us. And I then started to make it my mission. Every week without fail, there was an article that had something to do with the fourth industrial revolution. And I started mm-hmm. exploring every sector because my, my focus became how ha- does it affect, what does it look like in every sector? So I have like tens of articles on, one is on mining, the future of mining. And I'm not, I'm not a miner, but I would go and I would, okay, okay, what is this mineral? Okay, okay, what is this technology, this mining tech? And I would delve and lose myself in, in doing so much research. And before I knew it, because I was constantly, these were being published in an actual newspaper, in a national paper, I started nice. getting recognition as an expert in the fourth industrial revolution. It's really strange. Nice. I'm just a poet. <laughs> but that's sort of how Afri Digital then the grounds for my third business, which mm-hmm. is Afri Digital, was born. Mm-hmm. And I started to register these businesses as subsidiaries of the Aura Nicole Group, the first business I ever created, because I was like, no, it's an investment firm. So right. I'm going to invest in different things. So then Afri Digital was born. Excuse me, sorry. Yes, so Afri Digital was born. And then 
um, I started now, because of that, I started now really connecting with other people in this space. Right. Um, so I started, you know, okay, this is what, what are people doing? And I started being really concerned about connecting people with information. And we started the series of talks where I would invite people to almost what felt like a public lecture. We did one on FinTech. We did on Agritech, on education, nice. on uh, the future of work itself and employment and HR, you know, and it was, nice. it, it un, 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 unknowingly, not unwillingly, unknowingly, I was positioning myself to become sort of a thought leader in the space within my country. But I, what a lot of people didn't realize it was my process of learning to publish that information or to put these talks together. It was because I needed more information. <laughs> like I need to understand this better. So I'm going to ask this person who's an expert and the CEO and that operations manager and that Absolutely. and bring them together Absolutely. and put this conversation, to, you know, forward. Yeah. And it's been, and so that's sort of how I've reached where I am. And the final sort of piece in that puzzle, I'm sorry it's been such a long story. I, I hope to talk fast, but I'm so useless. But anyway, the last piece of that puzzle. <laughs> the final piece of that puzzle came um, last oh, December, January, January. Uh, no, yeah. Was it? Yeah. Yeah, there about this year, beginning of this year. Gosh, the time has flown. And I was organizing a talk on the future of education. At this point, um, this was, yeah, so this was last year, September. I had, I was organizing a talk on the future of education at uh, the Harare City Library. We were now in talks to try and create a hub at the Harare City Library as an, like an information hub. So I wanted Afri Digital, even though it was a tech and information company to be based in a library because I wanted to be surrounded by knowledge. Um, and so, it was in the midst of that I had managed to teach 125 children how to uh, entrepreneurship. So I'd trained 125 children through my program. Mm. Um, you know, we we we'd Afri Digital had now set up a decent space. We'd even gotten some really good funding and some support. And it was during that period that I was um, my 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 current partner linked me with um, his his child's headmistress at their school, a little school tucked away in a tiny neighborhood called Merrick Park in Harare, in mm -hmm. uh, Harare West. And she was saying, I need someone to help me with social media or someone who just understands the space. And, and so he, he, he introduced us and, and we started talking and, um, you know, just me being me with having dealt with so many different entrepreneurs and so many things, there were gaps that I felt that she was missing. I was like, no, actually you should have administrative systems like this. Oh, okay. What do you use for your accounting? We just, we would talk a lot and we got along and I started helping them with their social media. Um, and any, every Friday, you know, she was like, if you've got any cool creative ideas for things that my kids can do on Fridays, you should let me know. Mm. So I organized uh, one Friday, I organized, I called a friend of mine who does robotics Mm. Um, and I said, could you, and he just started the program where he was trying to teach kids. I was like, do you want to come and do a, a session with, you know, my kids with these kids at the school? And he came through and he taught children how to make like toy cars out of old bottles, like robot, like remote controlled cars out of old, like plastic bottles with Arduino, like compacts in them and all sorts of bits and bobs in there and you know they started to actually build things that could move out of like old boxes and old toilet rolls and fun things like that 
And then she was like, oh, this is really cool. What else can you do? Then I got someone else to come to sewing. We, and we had sort of this little exchange going, but it was this fun little side project. I didn't really take it seriously. Until come um, December, and it was, we were talking, and she then reveals to me, hey, look, I'm moving. She was pregnant. She was like, I'm moving. I'm, I'm moving to the UK, and um, I'm, I'm going to join my husband. And, um, you know, I need, would you be able to, you know, carry on with the school and sort of help? Initially, she just asked me to just keep helping with sort of like the, the Friday, the Friday fun craft things and to continue helping with social media and maybe help them manage their email address. I said, oh, okay, cool. Sounds good. Um, but the more we started talking and <laughs> it was literally in January, two days before she flew out, she says, as I'm leaving, I'm realizing I need a headmistress. So do you want to, do you want to run my school? And I just said, yes. <laughs> and I'd never run a school before. And I was like, but I actually said, it, well, I'm not sure why would you want me to run your school? I, I don't have a degree in education. I don't have a degree at all. Um, that's like why? <laughs> that's actually an asset at times because uh, education needs a lot of disruption because it hasn't changed m much of the way we learn now is how our great great grandparents were learning it hasn't changed and that has a lot to do with the fact that education and training of of educators has not changed so sometimes having people in those roles who aren't from an like strictly an academic background can be really really impactful i hear you i I've actually hadn't it. thought of it that way yeah, i had not it. thought of it that way yeah, I mean, as someone who's not a teacher in a formal sense, I mean, I mm. I work in a, in the business and technology department, and my the team that I'm a part of, none of us are teachers in that way. We're all coming from very practical backgrounds. We have experience in technology and in different parts of businesses, and that's why we're there, you know. Um, yeah. Because how do you how do you teach? programming if you've never been a programmer you know it's yeah. it's kind of difficult there's certain certain backgrounds and certain fields where it's really important to have practical hands-on experience and they feed into each other because if mm. i'm building rare birds and i'm teaching entrepreneurship to my students i'm giving them practical knowledge from building a company and being in mm -hmm. different like hubs and entrepreneurial spaces and whatever which is real to you know to them as opposed to you know, I'm a marketing teacher and I've never actually worked in a marketing company. I've never done marketing. I've just studied marketing and mm -hmm. now I'm teaching. There's, there's, I don't know, there's a different level of experience that you bring when you have real world experience. And a lot of that at times is lacking. But a lot of the more uh, progressive schools are, what they're doing is they're, you know, they hire academics and they also hire professionals, mm -hmm. which, is, which is amazing because the kids get the best of both worlds. It is mind blowing. It was mind blowing for me and I couldn't understand it, but I said yes, because I love challenges and I love new things. Yeah. And suddenly before I knew it, I had a primary school nice. and I was suddenly a headmistress and I was now running a school. Yeah. And it was, it was such an incredible beginning of the year. Our first term, this is obviously before Corona and COVID-19 had hit Zimbabwe and before it had become a thing. So it was a, a, a normal school and I got 
an opportunity to do such incredible work and to start in sort of introducing new ways of doing things and new programs. And um, exactly. I incorporated the entrepreneurship I'd been doing as little entrepreneurs See? became there a compulsory subject. <laughs> I made it a compulsory subject from grade one. <laughs> and there you go. And that's, that's the uniqueness that someone like yourself can bring to that space. So it's, you know, I, I don't believe in like silos. I think it's really important for professionals, whatever industries they're in, to look outward and see what's happening in other industries. And I think it's with the exception of a few industries where it's like certain things just have to stay within their silos. I think generally it's good to have hybrids and mixing and, and people understanding, you know, just because you're a pilot doesn't mean you should you shouldn't know anything about the sciences or you shouldn't know about education like it's all connected the world is connected yes yes obviously i want my surgeon to be a well-trained you know man or woman in the field (laughs) and know what he or she is doing but at the same time a surgeon you know surgeons teach at medical schools and they participate in institutes and they write papers so it's it's all connected the world is connected it is yeah it is and i guess here we are and within after a term of running the school i was offered um i was offered uh, equity and shares in the business and nice. so yeah it then became that became now you're a real boss the fourth That's business to tell yes you're a real boss <laughs> I've leveled up. Now. <laughs> <laughs> Respect my grind, but <laughs> not quite. But like it, 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 it just suddenly the Aura Nicole group. Even though when it started, I felt like it was really just haphazard, and I still wasn't really sure. Yeah, I feel like everything that has happened has brought me to this point where I think I am. I am an investor. I may not be. A lot of my investment up until recently has always been more sweat capital, you know, has been know-how and experience um, and time. And I, for a long time, had undervalued the value of sweat capital, of experience, how that in itself is valuable. Mm. Um, it's not just about putting money. It's about putting your time and your thought and, and connections. I'd, I'd built such a huge network and so many friends that... I could just pick up the phone and say, the school has no computers. Hi, iBoard Africa. Could we have a couple iBoards? And they'll say, yeah, sure. And they'll bring them. That's because of experience and, and the networks. And, and now I've managed to build a decent portfolio that I'm really proud of, you know, where you have an organization like Afri Digital, you've got little entrepreneurs. And now we have St. Anne's School. Mm. Um, and all of them sort of are intermarried and, and, and interconnected. And, and the focus becomes how do we bring education not just at a, a at a junior level but how do we move the world forward you know mm. and, and change the way we do things because that's always my sort of my crux of everything nothing is ever strategic maybe the blessing the fact that i didn't really finish school i didn't i didn't get to write a thesis but right now i'm writing a white paper a research paper do you know what i mean like but how how, how do we push people how how do i empower the next person to say okay i know what it's like to be on zero and to have no resources and you know to not really know where to start how do you upskill the focus has now become on upskilling upskilling my staff Mm. upskilling the students upskilling everyone i work with 
how do we adjust and evolve? We are both unfortunate and very fortunate to live in a country like Zimbabwe, which is so incredibly and deeply broken um, mm. and nothing works as normal in this country. It is a blessing in disguise because every day you are forced to innovate and to think differently mm. or you will literally starve. <laughs> you know, you will literally starve and you, your business will literally fail yeah. unless you learn every single day to adapt you wake up today and suddenly the reserve bank has made a difference and the money you have is not worth anything and mm. you have to quickly evolve you wake up tomorrow and suddenly there's national protests and businesses shut down or you wake up and now there's COVID-19 on top of that and now you have to shut down your school um, you know and, and find a way to continue educating but in an environment where because your community wasn't already in that space you'll find a whole bunch of them weren't on the internet. So you can't immediately say, okay, well, we'll just do Zoom calls. We couldn't make that decision. So you have to think and you have to say, okay, how do you teach off like remotely, but offline and find a hybrid solution? So I find a lot of my work and, and the things I do now, I would say, I would say my job description has changed to really actually, I think I'm a problem solver. I think that's actually my daily that's what I do on a daily basis. I wake up in the morning mm. and I solve problems <laughs> all <Nice>. day. <laughs> That's all I do. We just solve problems. It's one, the problems are always different, but they're always the same, you know, it's, and it sort of applies across the board now with whoever I work with and whatever space I work with, the focus then becomes, how do we fix this? How do we innovate? But how do we keep moving? Um, yeah. And which boils right back down to when I was sitting on that park bench and that voice inside of me said, you cannot stay here. And every time, whatever I'm doing, in whatever space, whatever crisis I meet, mm-hmm. whether it's as a business, as an individual, as a parent, there's always that reminder that you cannot stay here. And I feel like Africa, a big, like there needs to be a big wake up that we realize we are so comfortable being in this place where we, you know, we're constantly receiving aid and we're just, you know, we're just like so dependent on the rest of the world. We can't stay here, you Mm. know, like we have Mm. to get up and we have to get moving, you know, we Mm. have to move. Mm. And, and it's, it's a common thread. Like we have to move Africa as it has to move working with the, in the space I've worked in, I've realized in the context of the fourth industrial revolution and fifth, as you have educated me, Joanne, fifth, <laughs> like girlfriend, mm-hmm. like we're behind, we're still trying to figure out the fourth. We're nowhere near there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, you know, at some point after we spoke, I was like, does this mean I should change everything? Should I stop talking about the fourth? Should I move on? Not at all. <laughs> and I was like, no, the <laughs> one leads into the other. I mean, essentially, you know, we are, the fourth industrial revolution is, is this transformational technology, you know, internet of things and, and AI and blockchain and future of work. And it's, it's, it's this whole conversation also around technology taking over. And the fifth Mm. industrial revolution is, is the exact opposite of that. It's human beings and the technology Mm. working together. You know, like my students, they, what I try to teach my students is that, you know, technology has a role to play it's very important but what is it that technology has uh does not have that we humans have 
you know, and that's when mm. they're like, yeah, mm. the heart, the emotions, the feelings, you know? So yeah. that's really important. So there's all these conversations about technology taking over, but so much of the fifth industrial revolution is about creating this ideal coexistence the where human. human beings and technology can, can work together. So, mm. yeah. I mean, that's I guess you can't, sort of you can't run until you've learned how to walk. Yeah, and it's coming. I mean, whether people like it or not, I mean, we're in the era now of, you know, um, with artificial intelligence and <laughs> everything that's, that's changing mm. there. And like the world is changing rapidly. Everything is moving fast. So it's either people get on board or, or, or they get left behind. Like that's just, mm. that's just you know, with GPT-3 now, right? AI. I yes, mean, people yes. need to get on board or they get left behind. And like you said, you know, you're very passionate about, about uh, the continent. And we talked about Africa's role in the fourth industrial revolution. There needs to be more leadership because there's a whole generation that can't be left behind. Yes. And yes. Shouldn't be left we can't. Behind. We yeah, shouldn't. Can't. Leaders, I think it's, you know, leaders have to really accept that they have a heavy burden, especially in the developing world. So much of the of developing countries has have missed out on this technological revolution and they can't afford to miss out on the next wave. They just can't. They need to get their acts together. Yeah. 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 You're so right. No, <laughs> You're so right. Very sobering. No, it's true. Yeah. It's just the way it is because, and they have no choice because it, there's all these young people concentrated on the continent, you know, in Latin America, in the Caribbean, all over these countries. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, they can't, we can't all run to Europe and North America. No. You know? It's true. But, you know, <laughs> it's, it's not working. You're right. You know, it's, it's funny you should say that because like, I have a lot of friends who will, a lot, almost on a daily, I don't think there's a day that doesn't go by when I, I, I get asked, why don't you just leave? Like, go to another country that work. like, if you, you would be so successful in another country. I get that a lot. Like, you would do so well in the UK or in the US or somewhere else, anywhere else, even China. I've been told to go everywhere mm. else but here. But the truth is, I am Zimbabwean and yeah. this is the only country I have. Yeah. And this is where I was born. And, mm -hmm. and you just, and you think, are you really going to be born? And your biggest aspiration is to leave where you were And that, that shouldn't home? be a normal conversation, but unfortunately it is, you know? It, yeah. It, it is. It is. I was the aspiration a, becomes, can you leave? Mm. I was having this really interesting conversation with a friend from Israel. He's actually American, but he, he moved to Israel and he's been living there now for like a very long time. And we were talking about migration and just, different things. And we were talking about how him as an American moving to Israel, that's like a big deal. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> you know, my, yeah, obviously it was for religious why. reasons. <laughs> and then we, mm. we shifted the conversation to how, like, if you're from Africa or if you're from, you know, South, certain parts of South Asia or Southeast Asia or Latin America or Caribbean or whatever you moving is just what you do. Like you're always moving, you know, like you're always yeah. moving around yeah. your parents move, your grandparents move. You live between two worlds. You you've traveled here. You've been there. Your aunt lives there. Your uncle lived there. Your cousin, like it's so normal for us to have these like massive diasporas and our families are all literally spread all over the world. I've got uncle, you know, it's so normal to say, Oh, my uncle's in Canada. My, my aunt in Australia, like, you know, it's just a normal part of being. But for yes. him, being like an American 
and you know yeah. very middle class American moving to Israel that's like a big deal so we were having this yes. laugh over it because it's just we live in very disparate worlds you know people yeah. who are constantly having to move and it it shouldn't be normal it shouldn't be normal I mean he doesn't have to leave America he chose yes. to leave America to move to Israel for obviously religious and cultural reasons because he's Jewish and that's where he want to he wants to be etc but it wasn't because of economics or or anything else it was for a completely different reason mm. so the fact that the, that others don't have that op- option it's sad yeah it's heartbreaking it is it is yeah. it is but to wrap up this conversation which i think is really fascinating and we need to have a part 2 actually what um <laughs> yeah wait we need to have a part two uh, just about um africa's rule in the fourth industrial revolution and then follow up right. with the fifth industrial revolution what um yes. what lessons have you learned from your experiences that you'd like to share with us we always like to ask guests to share their most valuable lessons with us so we can learn as well um i would say the biggest lesson i've learned and i, I think i've i've put it um i think it's on my on my profile on twitter and on instagram as well is that mm-hmm. listening is a superpower mm. um i feel like there is there is there is there are very few limitations in the world that cannot be broken through listening mm. i feel like if you take time to listen to what the the what's happening around you Mm. Um, so let's say if it's, there's a specific business or a specific project you want to, you know, embark on, or you're in the middle of, um, listening both to the good and the bad, listening to the environment, listening to what people say and how they say it. Um, I feel like being able to listen can unlock so many solutions and so many doors mm. more than we would even begin to imagine. Like there. There are, there are things that have helped me simply because I was really listening in a conversation. I remember something that someone said. Right. Like, no, but someone said this in this conversation. I need to call them. And hi, I remember when you said this and they're like, when, what, when did I say, did I say that? <laughs> you know, little things like that. Like, I feel like, um, yeah, that's the biggest lesson I would learn. So listening is a superpower. Um, awesome. And as with every superpower, you can do amazing things. Mm. Um, and then also empathy. Um, mm. you know, uh, I keep thinking of it in Shona. Wow. I'm okay. I'll say it in Shona and then try to explain what that means. Yes. So, please do. um, pamoyo, which means like be, be a person who has people at heart. Mm. Um, you know, be, be, be mindful and, and empathetic. Like when, mm. when, when working with anyone, with people, Mm-hmm. really understanding them not just their skill sets not just what they're incredibly good at but them as a person their habits you know sure. what bothers them what mm-hmm. allergies they have little things like if you know that you have someone who has really bad allergies and it's pollen season mm-hmm. and they start underperforming you're less likely to, you know, lose your top and be like, oh, they, you know, and start panicking and thinking that, oh, they're leaving, whatever. It, it might just be that they can't breathe and they're sneezing half the time and the pollen is bothering them. So if you're a, if you're a person with people at heart, yeah, you know, 
working with people generally becomes a lot easier, especially in the context of Africa. We're all, everyone's got a story. Everyone has something that they're struggling with or dealing with. And so be, be a person that has people at heart. So listening and have people at heart. That is the key to success in any possible business, I think. Wonderful. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing with us. Where can we find this you? Would so you like cool. to give us your website and your, your socials, you know, your Twitter handle, your Facebook, where, where can people find you and reach out to you? Yes. Okay, cool. So our site is done at the moment, but it should be up soon, hopefully by the time this is out. So our website is um, www.africaisdigital.com. Okay. Um, and Twitter, I am, I am a I'm always on Twitter. So at Miss Aura. I love Aura. Twitter too, man. Tell me, tell me, tell, <laughs> again. tell us again. So it's at Miss Aura and it's, um, the Miss is M-S. Um, so it's M-S underscore Aura. So A-U-R-R-A. Um, and that's, if you look for at Miss Aura everywhere, you will find me. So Miss Aura everywhere, Facebook, Twitter, uh, and then LinkedIn, it's Aura Kawanzara. I spend a lot of time on Twitter and LinkedIn. Um, and Instagram, if you're that kind of person, I post a lot of food. So <laughs> now following yeah, the future connected. of Zimbabwe is female. Her last tweet here. There you go. Yes, there you go. It is. We are here to dominate. <laughs> awesome. Love it. This Brilliant. was such okay. a pleasure. Thank you for letting me rant. <laughs> no, it's great. The pleasure is all mine. I wish we could, we could speak a bit longer, but um, we try to keep these ones short. But like I told you, we've got some exciting new things coming up next year where we're going to be having some private conversations that are going to be a bit longer and a bit more in depth so we hope you can come back and and join us for that and it's going to be good fun i'll tell you more (laughs) absolutely okay guys well this has been a great chat i hope you've learned something new i know i have always learned new things from these amazing conversations that we're having so until next time bye for now bye Hey there, Rare Ones. I hope you enjoyed listening into this week's conversation. The Rare Birds podcast is available for listen across all major platforms, including Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Anchor, and several more. Please share our conversations with your friends. Don't forget to subscribe to our weekly newsletter. You can do so by opting in on our homepage of our website, www.rarebirdshq.com. The weekly newsletter provides analysis and data around the topics explored in our weekly conversations. Lastly, I would love your feedback and spend way too much time on Twitter. My handle is included in the notes section of each episode. Tweet me your thoughts, ideas, opinions, and feedback because I'm always looking for ways to improve my craft. If you absolutely love what you heard, then rate us on your favorite podcast platform. See you next week for more conversation. Bye for now. (music) 